0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Oh, that's Not Kind of Productions podcast.
1: Lady Mouse. 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 Lady mouth, lady mouth, lady, 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 mouth, lady mouth, lady mouth, lady, lady, mouth. Mouth. lady, lady, mouth. lady yes, mouth, lady mouth, lady mouth, lady, lady mouth, lady mouth, lady mouth, lady mouth, oh lady mouth, 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 lady lady mouth, lady 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 n- lady 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 the show where me, Mixie Plum, tries to create a healing platform for women to share their stories and for people to heal from them as well. I, I know I'm always healed listening to the people I'm privileged to talk to. Uh, I, I love humans. I know that's really weird, but I want to protect humans, especially women. That might be why I'm a healer and a massage therapist. I don't know. Not that I'm being genderist, sorry. It's just women, we needed a bit more, don't you think, Terry? Yes,
0: absolutely. We live in a patriarchal society. So we really need to start standing up for ourselves.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm just trying to create here. But um, everybody, meet Terry, one of my best friends. Well, she's actually my best friend's ex wife, but we became very close and I love her. <laughs> I love you, Terry.
0: Thank you for having me on your show. I think it's a privilege as well.
1: Oh, thank you, Terry. I'm so glad to have you because you have had such a life and we're only talking about a piece of it right now. So um, let's um, begin with how did we meet? I already ruined that. We met through your ex husband, who is my best yeah. friend. <laughs> Yes, we did. And you
0: cooked uh, a lovely veggie turkey burger for me, the best I've had yet.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. that means a lot to me. Thank you. I'm so glad. I would cook for you anytime. That's <laughs> another way to comfort and be maternal with people. Cook for them. I love cooking for people. Yes,
0: I think like uh, that's a sh- a sign that you love someone.
1: Oh my God, I just... I told my boyfriend yesterday, I offered him half my sandwich and I took it really seriously and he laughed at me. I'm like, no, 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 sandwiches are love. If I make you food, it's love. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry, I want to talk about you though. You are a photographer and a fucking amazing photographer at that. Um, Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome, Terry. Why don't you, um, before I go to asking you questions about it, uh, you also suffer from bipolarity and other mental illnesses. Um, So, and that's uh, the point of our episode today. And uh, just a quick little side note, one day Terry's going to let me write her autobiography and through the Bipolar Lens will be the title. That's Terry picked that title and I think it's awesome, so I always want to use it. Is that all right, Terry?
0: Yeah, of course, you know that.
1: <laughs> all right, I'm just being silly. All right, so Terry, as, how did you get into photography?
0: Well, um, I've always been interested in photography, but I, when I was 18 years old, I started working for a photo finishing uh, lab that's back in the olden days, we used to make film and we used to have to process it and then print them. And that was called photo finishing and as well sold cameras. So that was my first introduction to meeting professional photographers and just all kinds of people that love photography. And that's how I fell in love with it. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Did you, what was your first camera, a Canon or a Nikon? No, it, it, was <laughs> one of
0: those, it was one of those 126 cameras that was used back in the 70s and 80s.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: my, my mom was the first one to put a camera in my hand. And
1: that was the kind of camera that it was. That's amazing. I was kidding about the Canon or Nikon. What uh so...
0: Actually, Michelle, that yeah. camera, uh, used to send the film off to get uh, processed and it would come back in the mail. And oh, the joy when those pictures would come in the mail. It was just like fantastic.
1: Oh my god, I remember in the 80s and 90s, we'd go to the photo booths in the middle of the parking lots. And then our pictures would be there. Mm-hmm, true. Yeah, that was the same exciting. What kind of things did you first take pictures of?
0: Well, I would like to go back to your question about what choice of cameras I I use and I oh. do use. I, I use Nikon, and I always have. Oh really? Um, Is there something yeah. about
1: Nikon that you particularly love?
0: Uh, cameras are like cars. You know, you got Lincoln's and Cadillacs. Uh, it's which one do you prefer? They all have the same options, but some of them vary a difference. Um, and I'm not going to get a technicality of it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's what the one
1: I like. <laughs> awesome. No, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love how protective every photographer is about their choice in camera. Mm,
0: I don't know. I think, uh, I, th- I think you are making a correct statement with photographers are never wanting to tell their secrets out.
1: Oh gosh. No, I, uh, had a friend once for 15 years and I through college and all up until she started her professional photography career so I kind of had a really fun experience because in the 90s I'd go in the dark room with her I'd inhale the chemicals we'd break into abandoned buildings and take pictures I'd be naked in 20 degree weather with a pair of fairy wings on (laughs) Like That's to so get the, cool. I'd be holding a light board and my breath at the same time. It was like really renegade '90s photography.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you and, know, I I think uh, for me, mm-hmm. because I'm a photographer, I feel far more comfortable behind the camera than I do in front of it.
1: And that comes to my question: What do you see when you look through a camera?
0: Well, it um, you know, your eye is always developing, and you bec- you have a certain maturity. Um, there's a basic um, there's a basic understanding of what you would like t- to photograph. and the o- more you learn about photography and the more you do photography, the more that you're able to achieve that goal because you have a firmer understanding of of how it works. But photography means painting with light. For me, my photography is all about I, I like color, color is emotional. Um, oh, yeah. I like I like lighting, lighting has, you know, it could be soft, it could be dramatic. Um, um, so I personally like to use available light. You were mentioning a reflector. I use yeah, people, like a, yeah. all kinds of, like, I don't want to get into the technicalities of that type of thing. I will just say, I like to use available light and I use a lot of color and I like to have my photographs tell a story.
1: I think that's lovely. I yeah.
0: photograph people, that's my genre. I photograph everything. I've done every kind of photography you can imagine.
1: Weddings. Even wedding. I was just going to say even weddings. That's like the hardest. That's the thing that unless you specifically get into wedding photography as a regular photographer, you don't want to do weddings, right? It's well, too much action. Is,
0: no. When you photograph, when you have the privilege of photographing someone in that moment, you can't get it wrong because there's no going back. So you got to be on good chops, know what you're doing. and the people will want to use you when they see the style. Like everybody has a style when they draw, they have a style when they sing and they have a style when they're doing photography. Um, yes. I think for me, when I was younger, um, it was all about working underneath professional photographers for free as an apprentice. So I never went to college. I never took a photography course in my life, but I've been lucky enough to have my work published nationally, internationally. And I've oh, been lucky wow. enough when I worked entertainment photography for for, for like ten
1: years. Um, oh, we're getting there. But first, yeah. let me ask: What kind of photographers did you apprentice under?
0: Um, All in LA, okay. or
1: no, 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 no. Oh. Um,
0: this is when I was uh, coming up in Georgia. Coming up, and I lived in Atlanta for like four or five years, and I worked in, and that's where I met my wondrous, most best loved friend in the world, Honor Woodard, who was a brilliant photographer. Like I hail her. And, Excellent. Yeah. And so I would do that in Atlanta and then in Philadelphia, I did that as well. So, uh, and then in, in LA, I started to do it, but I had a firmer grasp of, of um, photography. I love art. I love painting. And painting is all about light and composition. And the camera sees uh, two-dimensionally, not three-dimensionally, like we do. So to learn all of that it's like i don't want to get into the no no concerned.
1: i was actually going to say this former friend of mine who is a professional photographer now and she is amazing um she taught me that photography is light manipulation she said like she introduced me to Diane arvis and peter joel peter witkin uh I ansel adams, adams sally love- Mann. oh diane mm-hmm. i thought you'd love diane arvis I, yeah i love diane arvis absolutely yeah I do too I mean because of this woman I got exposed to the photography world I wouldn't know who Diane Arbus was if it wasn't for her so I owe her a lot because it allows me to talk to you on a level you know you're not going to get into specifics but I do understand a lot of what you're saying so I'm really I'm like yes I understand what you're saying but
0: But when you you look at a lot of art mm -hmm. and you look a lot of photography then you become to understand how light works and like you said, manipulation of light.
1: Yeah, then, like Kubrick then, was like that with his. Yeah. yeah, Kubrick's one of those light geniuses. hmm true. Um, now, with your mental illnesses, illness, illnesses, I'm not going to call you out. Um, we're talking specifically about bipolar here. Um, now, is it something for you that just comes up, or at now that because you're older, is it something that's more controllable for you?
0: When I was young, as many people who suffer from bipolar, you're misdiagnosed and you're not medicated correctly. Okay, it took me until I was almost 40 years old to be diagnosed with the proper diagnosis and to get on the regular medication that helps to stabilize my moods. Um, bipolar. It varies in uh, different degrees with people. Mine is pretty damn severe. Um, I have, uh, I take my medication religiously because I learned from my mother who uh, committed suicide. She had mental illness as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, but she would always take her medicine. And so I thought I'm going to always be med compliant because when you have these illness, you start taking the medicine, you think I feel fine. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. (laughs) And then six weeks later, you're in the mental hospital because you're having a nervous breakdown. And yeah. for me, for me, um, min- the, the mental illness is—it's—it's uh, it's who I am. I, it's like if you have diabetes, it's who you are. <clears throat> if you have oh yeah. It's who you are. It doesn't go away. It can mm-hmm. only be managed. And sometimes <clears throat> it it goes off pilter, and even the medicine will stop working, and your body will build a tolerance up, and then you have to get changed. But One thing I wanna say to to, uh, all of those who are listening is I understand how this is a very lonely disease. I understand what it feels like to not know what is real and what is not real and to question yourself. I understand what it feels like to have everybody you love in your life go away from you because they can't handle your mental illness. There's a lot of stigma to mental illness. Mental illness is a horrible thing to have. When you have other diseases, people are more understanding. They're not judgmental and they can hang in there with you more. That's, I don't know if I'm being correct in that, but that's just been my observation.
1: I, so. I think you're pretty right on. I mean, I, you know, me, I struggle with depression for years until I figured a way to manage it, to live mm. my fucking life, you know, without crying all the time. And right, it's it, you feel very alone. You feel very, very alone. I mean, my breaking point was when, I had both the babies and I had severe postpartum depression on top of my regular depression. That was not fun. Before you were properly diagnosed, when you were in, say, you know, since it is part of you, did it affect how you conducted your photography or or what you saw or did a picture not come out the way your vision wanted it to? Is it? No. Okay. Actually,
0: I actually... I got diagnosed at 20 years old uh, that I had uh, this illness. There was different diagnoses thrown in there in between, like schizoaffective disorder, which yeah. I don't have. But, you know, when you ask me what has photography done for me, I call it art therapy. When I am out of my mind, and when I say out of my mind, I haven't slept for five nights because that's what bipolar does to you. Wow. <clears throat> my mood is all over the place. I'm questioning what's going on in my head. I pick the camera up, and I just start shooting.
1: And actually it's been some of my best work. That's amazing. So now I'm getting to the fun part because when you said before how, uh, when you take a picture of a human and you're honored, um, you alright I'm gonna just call this out real quick. You've taken pictures of George Martin. And before I ask you to tell me all about being a rock photographer or whatever you want to share, what the hell was that moment like? Cause I'm not even a huge Beatles fan. But I'm sure people who are listening who are huge Beatles fans are like, she photographed George Martin
0: and, you know I'm- and Ringo Starr. I had privileged, privilege of meeting them, um, ah. uh, talking with them, and in a, in a, a private, not a public arena. Um, yeah. George Martin was in a hotel room in New York City, and um, my ex husband was conducting the interview when I was doing the photography. And then we got to hang out with him for a bit, and he was just wonderful.
1: Oh, that's lovely. I bet it was, uh, are you a big Beatles fan? Was it a good experience? Like a great experience for you?
0: It was a, I'm not worthy experience.
1: Oh, you're so worthy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know you are bitch,
1: don't even be like that. You are one of the most beautiful people I've ever met and I love you so much. I love you too, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, you're welcome. (laughs)
0: So. And, and, um, I So Another really great artist that I uh, know and I photographed and I know
1: personally is Brian Wilson. Um, oh, my, my gosh. Best friend,
0: my best friend is Carney Wilson. Oh, and, are you
1: guys still friends? I thought, I didn't know if you, you go on, on and off, I thought. I didn't know yeah, if I was allowed yeah. to ask it. Yeah. We go on and off. Her
0: life is very busy with work and her two children and her husband, but we... Uh, go communicate on the phone. It's not like before she had the kids when we were always together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I call her, she's my heart friend. I wouldn't say my best friend. Honor is my best friend. Um, but she, uh, I would be with her and her father. And um, that was another big privilege for me
1: to be around such a uh, musical I don't genius. don't blame <laughs> you. Oh my God, Brian Wilson. I yeah. mean, I love the Beach Boys. I like the Beach Boys better than the Beatles. <laughs> People are going to kill me now. Oh, that's so cool, though. The Beach Boys. I just had an argument with my friend, my content creator. I'm calling her out now. We had an argument. She's like, I thought Kokomo was in Indiana. I'm like, no, it's fictional. She said, millennials, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, millennials. <laughs> anyway, so... Tell me a bit about uh, when you were a rock photographer, you've done, you've had those amazing pictures of Kiss, like t- just the whole 10 year experience. Well, how would you sum it up really? Cause I mean, we could talk about that up, forever. I would sum it up
0: like this because I was fortunate to be able to um, have that job. It was a great job, but it was also a lot of stress because when you photograph in that format, the light is always changing. The subject is always moving. There's 50,000 fans and the ones behind you paid a thousand dollars for their ticket. So they're not real happy you're in front of them. And, (laughs) and incidences have happened. Um, Really? Yes. But, um, I would get very nervous at some times. I would get extremely nervous because I don't have a, I worry. And this is before there was LCD screens. This is before there was digital cameras. This is like, At the end of my uh, uh, entertainment photography career, they started having digital cameras, but you cannot constantly look down to see if you're getting a shot. You know, when you get a shot, like if I got a shot, I'd be like, that's the money shot, I know. And because these people are wanting you to take good pictures to make money for them. That image sells them. So it's a lot of um, stress, but it's a lot of fun. And I did well, I did very well. And I photographed so many people,
1: I can't even remember. I've photographed that's, a lot of people. That's amazing. I I I I've seen a lot of your photos, but I really want to see all of. <laughs> I want to see every photo you take. But hey, um, that would be cool.
0: I would yeah. have to say another really cool moment was being able to photograph Michael Jackson. That
1: <gasps> awesome. I am so jealous. Oh my God, you didn't tell me that one, <gasps> Michael. You know he died on my birthday. Well, that's crazy! 10 years ago he died on my birthday Excellent. yeah my mom my mom called she's like Michael Jackson said happy birthday by the way right. I was like oh god great <laughs> I, I love, love Michael her. I grew up with you know I'm born like in late 70s so Michael has just been my whole life you know sure. I mean I stopped listening to him after the you know the 90s but oh gosh
0: mm-hmm. what was
1: what was photographing him like did you get to talk to him? What, what no, you I did, No, I
0: did not get to talk to him. I was hired to do a three-day shoot at the Pasadena Civic Center for the Dick Clark 50th Anniversary Bandstand. Wow. And everybody and anybody was there. Like, Little Richard was like, I'm like, oh <gasps> my goodness, with Little Richard, I couldn't oh, believe it. Oh my God,
1: and he yeah. just passed away too. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, just to,
1: So anyway, I, that's all. That's okay. I I, yeah. I I love having any glimpse into your one your amazing life. I can. I, I think you're amazing. You've been through so much goddamn shit, <laughs> like more shit than most people. Let's face it. Like I've you've told me stuff. Dave, Dave has told me stuff. I mean, for fuck's sake, girl. But now I want to know about now, Terry. We know about past, Terry. Mm-hmm. What? How has your style and vision evolved now with your photography in your stage of life?
0: Well, I was lucky. uh, I wouldn't say lucky. I worked hard for this. I had three album covers this year of artists that came out. Three different artists used my work for their album covers this year. And that was really awesome. Yeah. um, I um, I have the ability not to be afraid and to step outside of my comfort zone and to be slow. I was so fast because... Entertainment photography was so fast, but I'm very, like I said, portraiture is my forte, but whatever I do, I'm, I'm, uh, conscious and, and, and cognizant of what I want to have what, and, and able to execute it. But I do it in a way that is slow. Like I'm slower. I'm way more observant. I, like before I thought, Oh, I'm observant. I, obse- I see everything that's going on around me, but now I really, am enjoying it more because I, it's like an, an extension of myself.
1: Oh, I love that. So what do you, are you been doing a lot of nature photography you said, right? Or just mostly humans and portraiture?
0: No, I've been uh, doing, um, I don't want to say I'm a nature photographer cause I'm in no stretch by the imagination a nature photographer. Um, I want to photograph, like I just photographed a woman lying on the street on the, sidewalk on her back and another woman behind her with the fence behind the both of them and she's facing the fence away from me. And it was so dramatic and such a powerful image because... Oh, wow. Like, that's, you know, that's like... Um, See, I love she, that stuff. Yeah, and so just like, you know, real, now I wouldn't call it um, photojournalistic style photography, but it's photography... Um, whatever it is, I'll be honest with you, I could photograph a banana. I could photograph <laughs> a cantaloupe I'll photograph anything when I'm sick trust me I will photograph whatever I can (laughs) because now I'm because now I have the um understanding of uh photography that I did not earlier in my life I can actually have interesting images and unfortunately the only real subject I've been able to photograph is myself lately
1: (laughs) Yeah, I missed my opportunity because you split town and now I got to go to California to get some Terry (laughs) photo shoot from you. I swear to God, I can't wait. One day I'm going to have a Terry Sharp photo of me. It's going to (laughs) be glorious.
0: I would just be so happy. Like I said before, I'd be so happy to do that.
1: I just want to hang out with you. (laughs) You had to leave (laughs) Pennsylvania. Thank I God. know. I, yeah, thank God. Yeah, let's not get into that. Um, now, we exactly. touched on this a bit um, uh, before, earlier, and how has, so when you say your understanding of photography now, how has, what is that understanding and how has it helped you heal with your your life, your, your struggles, um, your past, your present, say- your future?
0: it's helped me because I could get outside of my head and I could just start photographing and it, it like music takes you away. It's very good for a mental illness. Um, it takes you out of your head. You know, you do breathing and grounding techniques, but the photography is always in your hand. And you could, like I said, take a picture of a, of a uh, baseboard. And um, when you're doing that, it's not like I'm consciously thinking, Oh, I want to convey when I, when I am well, I think like that. When I am well, I think, what am I consciously wanting to convey with this image? When I'm not well, when I'm sick and I'm using photography for my art therapy, then yes, I'm cognizant, but um, I'm just allowing it to happen. Whatever is happening, I allow it to happen. I don't worry about technicalities. I don't worry about anything else besides, I just, it's like almost it flows through me. I don't think about like it. Like
1: you're channeling it. Like and I'm channeling. Yeah. And you were I mean even hearing your story you could tell you're a born photographer because you didn't go to school you were self I mean yes it, I mean some people go you know school or no school it doesn't always determine how good a photographer you are you learned by experience and that was your school you know you and had I, the mentors.
0: Yeah I had the mentors exactly I had the and like I said photographers are very keep their secrets very close to their chest. This these people allowed me to like do the schlepping work, schlep this here, do that there, set this yeah. up here, do that there, pose the client. I learned all about posing. Um, I learned all about different uh, lenses and lighting and artificial lighting and um, you know, it, they really did help me and that and I worked and worked. The one thing I could say if you wanna be a photographer is keep shooting and don't stop. And- Yeah. It, you know, the thing is today we have a lot of people who all have cell phones and they're all taking photos and they think they're professional looking when they're really just snapshots because they can't tell the difference. When yeah. I look back, when I look back on my early work, I see snapshots. Very few, very few. Um, first of all, I'm going to digress. When, you stand, no, when you're a professional photographer, all that means is you get paid. You can take the shittiest pictures in the world. And if you're paid $5, that constitutes being professional because you got paid for it. Yeah. So it's exactly. So So
1: I am not a professional writer. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, like, the 10 people who bought my book on the Kindle for free read it, you know? (laughs) I love you. I love you. (laughs) I love you.
0: I'm lucky that i Maybe one day. I'm lucky that You're I am. You're very fucking lucky, dude. You took a picture of the fifth fucking beetle.
1: Like <laughs> I again, took a, I took
0: a picture. I took a picture of the beetle. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, Ringo. I love, big Ringo. Big yeah. Ringo. Yeah, the, I love Ringo. Yeah, I love Ringo. I gotta stop forgetting about Ringo. He's so cute, and he's married to a Bond girl. I know. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um, well, let's. Yeah, let's get back on track here. Uh, you were talking about photography and healing, and you were. Um, imparting some wisdom to people who um, might be dealing with mental illness and art at the same time. I think most of us are. I mean, you know, there are Yes, uh, I agree. Like, I have to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Dave, your ex-husband and my best friend, he even says like pain is the great art maker, you know? Mm-hmm, it is.
0: And I will tell you something. Um, I thank God that I have a camera. There was like four years I didn't have a camera. Oh boy! And it was really difficult for me. It was like, it was like I didn't have an outlet. It, art is an outlet. I agree. I think some people, and I was going to go back to this with the cell phones and the thinking that they're doing professional type images when they're not. I think just doing the images, whether they're great or not, doesn't matter. You're actually creating, and that's the process. And the process is what helps heal you not, not like if you have a great outcome, something that's just fantastic. Well, that's just, you know, icing on the cake. But the thing is just to be able to do something artistic when you have mental illness is very important.
1: Oh yes. Oh gosh. Yes. If I didn't have writing, I'd be dead. If I couldn't write every day, which I do, I write every day since I was like five, you know, I mean, I guess we're the same with our art like that. And you know, I love to sing and I sing every day. So I, I, I wouldn't I be sane if I didn't do that shit.
0: True, I just want to touch on bipolar specifically.
1: Yes, please do, I, I really want that.
0: Bipolar specifically, your mind is going so fast that you cannot read. Your mind is going so fast that you cannot write. Your mind is like really freaking like like rapid thinking fix being fixated on things when you have a camera it's easy because you don't have to do anything but point it you know what I mean it's not like you can sit down and think you don't have to think because when you're like that when you're sick like that it's very difficult to to think to be focused um I think in depression it was difficult to be focused as well I couldn't even read
1: I know it's painful I don't want to dredge up your past but I know your past you know your past uh with your children and your mom, um, specifically Dylan and Diana. Well, those are your your two children. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. have the tragedies that you've encountered affected your? How has it affected your photography? Have Have you kept them in your mind when you work? I feel that when I'm working, I'm just
0: seeing. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not specifically. I might have a concept in mind of what I would like to do before I pick up the camera.
1: Do the colors that you use for emotion? Do any of them represent people you know? I'm all about color too. You've seen my tattoos, like I need all the color. True. Um, Well, and
0: emotion. Specifically, I use what's aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. color in that way. Um, But color like blue tones, cool tones, you know, they're more like relaxed and chill where warm tones and red tones and different variations of them, they're very passionate and strong and powerful. Um, Yeah, like you. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that I'm a, I would say that I'm a...
1: Your hair's red, your pillow's red, your glasses frame look red. You are passion, yo. Oh, that's the sun and the moon with the Japanese waves. That's cool. Here's my blue bed. And your blue bed, like water. (laughs) <laughs> and your green carpet See, so you're all naturey and colors and relaxed and healing and passionate and bold that's what all the colors in your room say you know
0: yeah um you know who helped me to do that was my daughter diana oh really a long time, yeah a long time ago i was talking to her the last time was in 2011 and okay. she said uh mommy mommy make your space you
1: oh that's nice make
0: you it makes you feel good and this is the first time that I really feel like comfortable and, and it's my space and I created this space and it wasn't um, dictated by some man in my life who was overpowering me with what they wanted. I allowed that Good. to happen. I shouldn't say they, oh, they don't, overpowered me. Don't we me. all? I no. allowed that to happen because I didn't want to deal with the grief.
1: <laughs> it's rough. And you have done a lot of, you have taken a lot of things like- I don't know. You feel free to share what you want, but you've had it really fucking tough, dude. I can't imagine. Like you're one of my heroes,
0: like okay. because I'm
1: still. In, I mean, you know, I'm I'm only 42. Like I just started my healing like a decade ago. You've been healing longer than I have, and you know the the shit you've been through. I know I keep saying that. Sorry. But, no, I, mean, I think I think that you know, um,
0: it was difficult. My upbringing was quite difficult, but I like to look at the glasses half full as opposed to the glasses half empty. Good. And I think one thing that all of those experiences have done for me is, is to make me far more compassionate and loving and accepting and non judgmental. Um, that's what those experiences have done for me. Um, that's... And at the same time, I feel futilistic about things when I'm sick. Like, you know, I just. I I think there's so much pain inside. Yeah. um, That when you get sick with the bipolar and it brings you down, it can make you just feel like, um, you know, here's an excuse of of why. Look at this happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. Well, shit happens. It's called life. And a lot of people have tragedies. And John Lennon said, I don't know if he said it or not, but I think he said, like, uh, pain is is what we measure. What is it, Michelle? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, I think John Lennon. God, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. That's what he said.
1: Oh, he was and, bigger than Jesus.
0: Yes. And then I think that um, pain is relative. What might be painful to someone who's never experienced what I have is just as real to them as what I've experienced for myself because pain is pain. Of now, some things, some things, I will admit, shatter people. And I got shattered. I am not whole. I am like, you ever hear of Reiku? Reiku is a Japanese art form of porcelain where they crack the porcelain, put it back together. And they like that. It's their, that's their beauty is the brokenness.
1: Oh, the metaphor is just outstanding. It's, we, that's yeah. what we all do to ourselves when we pick up our own pieces and we fit them back in slowly but surely. Right? I, always
0: say, I always say I have a Reku art. <gasps> that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we have, um, there's different levels of, you know, that people can have a tolerance, uh, for what happens my history. And I'm going to start getting into it now since we're talking about it, okay. is that it has, it, for, it, ha- it has shattered me and I'm taking time to build it back together. It has affected my ability to trust others greatly. It has affected my level of self-esteem very greatly. It's something I work on every single day. I never, I always feel less than I never feel worthy. Um, when I was younger, before I was, um, given the proper diagnosis and the medication, I would self medicate with alcohol and drugs like cocaine and, um, alcohol, um, whatever I could do to numb the pain. Um, it's very, for me, I don't know that I'll ever be whole. I feel fragmented. Um, but I know that I'm a good person. I don't hurt people. I always tried, when I was 18, I looked in the mirror and I said, I always wanna be able to look in that mirror and live with what I'm looking back at. And I could say I've done that. I'm, I, um, I think that you know we have a soul and we're, we are, I, I am. I can't speak for we, I'm not gonna preach. I'm just gonna say me. I am a good person. I've always tried to do right to everyone besides myself. Now that I'm an old woman, I am trying to do things that are right for myself. You're mentioning I showed you the room. That's doing right by myself. Um, sharing this story is the first time in my life I've done anything like this. But I'm doing it because if you are listening and you are um, identifying with anything that I'm saying, there there is uh, answers and there is hope, and there are people that can help you. Um, you don't have to live. You don't have to live all alone and with the pain. And then the people that you depend on cannot help you because they don't understand. There's an answer. It's not a fix. There is no fix for bipolar. Uh, like I say, looking through the lens of bipolar to my life is how it is. And when you're on the medication, the medication is affecting your perception of reality as well. So it's all interconnected. It's, um, it's, but the thing that is the answer is acceptance. Just you know being able to accept this part of yourself, which is your whole self, because your brain is everything. You know, "Oh, I have a foot, my toe is broken, oh, the toe is broken." But in your, your head, that de- affects every single thing in your life. So when you feel for you people out there that are feeling perhaps um, you might have an anxiety disorder, um, you might have um, too much stress in your life, you might have depression or you might even have something as serious as bipolar. There is people who, out there who can help. And the medication, and I will testify to this, works. It doesn't work to take it away because there's still ups and downs, like a little wave, but it's not like the giant tidal waves and mountains that you experience as like a metaphor of, I don't even know it's example of, what the emotions could get like. And um, the one thing I always keep in my mind is this disease will kill me, it killed my mother. This is nothing to play around with. Um, Back in the early 80s, when my mother passed away, she had been suffering for so many years. I don't know what it was. Depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, I don't know. All I know is that they didn't have the medications then that there are today. Today, you can take medicines that have very few side effects. Um, Side effects, uh, meaning like you don't gain a whole lot of weight, some of them make you shake a little bit, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not like back in the olden days because, um, yeah, back then they just didn't have the right medication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thank God for science. Oh no, I'm sorry. Thank, thank science for science. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. I feel sad for people who I know a lot of different cultures and some religions do not agree with the medication they do not feel no. it's necessary personally i'm only talking about myself when i start hearing voices in my head that are not there like it sounds like a tv playing in the other room but there's no tv or i start seeing wisps going out of the peripheral vision of my mind when i start getting paranoid feelings when i don't sleep for days on end when i have rapid speech pattern when i have all of these symptoms of bipolar that's that could kill you if you yeah. don't have medication to take you down, to control you, to manage you, you can literally uh, end up committing suicide because it's very, very difficult to deal with. You, you don't have a firm grasp on what is real and what is not real. I would have to ask people, I would say to them, is what I'm thinking real or not real? And then I needed them to validate for me. Wow. So, you know, another thing is um, impulsivity. They have medications to calm that down because people who have what I have, We'll go out and spend like $3,000 when we only make $300 a week. We'll yeah. go out. You know what I'm talking
1: about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you can't help like yourself. hmm
0: Yeah, so I think well, that uh, I'm grateful for that.
1: I'm glad. I'm, I, that. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that you finally have the help you need after struggling for a bunch of years. And I, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. I, what? I was just gonna say,
0: I would like to say, I am not alone in that. There's a lot of other people who have suffered from this mental illnesses. And I just wanna mention one other thing that's been very helpful to me is therapy. I go to therapy once a week and I have been um, using cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been very helpful to me. Um, It's got me through a lot of these ups and downs. Um, Like I said, when you're on the medication, you have little waves. When you're not on it, it's really big waves. So at least I'm not experiencing the really big
1: wave. No, of course not. And Terry, from all of my heart, thank you for sharing that uh, and, and giving some advice to people struggling with bipolar as well, because it's not something I'm personally familiar with besides knowing people that are bipolar. And I've seen many different behaviors from many different people and this look through your lens has been exhilarating. So thank you. And I love you so much. (laughs) What? I love you too. And I
0: really like the fact that you introduced the whole subject into like what positive things and major accomplishments that somebody with bipolar can do. You can live a normal life. You can have major accomplishments. There's doctors and lawyers and actresses and people from every walk of life that are able to maintain with their mental illness, because of everything I just said, because of that. So I'm glad that you did bring bring up, and you kept saying, "Wow, the beetle," because not anyone can just walk in there and sit with fucking. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you're the right bipolar here. beetle, babe. That's, not that's, not that. <laughs> that's what I you're talking about because you're using your lady <laughs> mouth. That's right, Terry. Yeah, Roar more. <laughs> <laughs> roar more, baby. Roar more. Now you're gonna roar more in our next episode with you. You guys will see Terry again. There's just too much to talk about with Terry. And I thank you again for doing this for me. And I hope we talk soon. What? I will. I will talk to you soon. <laughs> okay. Let's both say bye now. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thank-, thank you for opening your lady mouth. What's
0: good, people? This is your boy Big Bruh. I'm the host of Live with Big Bruh, a podcast where I keep it raw, uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. Always keeping it 100 and giving you guys my opinion on topics that you need to go check out. Live with Big Bruh is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I Heart Radio or wherever else you like to listen to your favorite podcast make sure you go subscribe, rate and share it and while you're at it tell your friends, to tell their friends to do the same thing you can find me on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Live with Big Bruh and remember, they can hold you but they can't stop you Big Bruh out